You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Powerful prayer, changing me, changing the world. Uh, Let's get our Bibles out this morning and turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 this morning as we begin a series about prayer. Uh, This message is entitled, The Mystery of Prayer. The mystery of prayer. Uh, before we dive into that, though, a very uh, special happy Mother's Day to um, all of the mothers who are in the room. And uh, you are our heroes. Every father who sits beside a mother today needs to uh, just lean over or sometime today uh, just tell them you are my hero. I just hate to think how our kids would have turned out had it been dependent on me. And, uh, and God has done a work of grace and uh, done it. And a lot of that grace has been shown through their mother. Um, my mom went to be with the Lord a little over two years ago. And uh, thinking about that the other day and the realization that I was eight years old, my mom led me to Christ. And uh, she sat with me on the bed when I prayed to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. When my mom died a couple of years ago, uh, the thought that went through my mind, because she went straight to heaven, do not pass go, right? Um, She went straight to heaven. And uh, the thought that went through my mind, who's going to pray for me now like my mom did? Who's going to fill the gap for, for that piece in my life. For a lot of years, she faithfully prayed for us and prays for us and <clears throat> prayed for us and just rejoicing in his goodness uh, through her. And, and so, Mom, uh, maybe that's your story. Maybe you can look back and you see a story like that of your mom and faithfulness and all the rest. And, but maybe you don't. And maybe you're going to be the first generation of those things of what, what God will use you for. But to, to all the mothers in the room, a special welcome to you today. And to God bless you. And I hope you don't have to make lunch today. And, uh, but that that's taken care of for you. All right. Powerful prayer. Anybody in the room willing to say that they pray enough? Um, this is a rhetorical questions, obviously you, you pray with enough exuberance. You pray with enough endurance. You just, just pray enough. Uh, the reality is if we're honest, everyone in the room will say, I know I could pray more. I know I could pray differently. And so the next four weeks, as we take a look at this series, Powerful Prayer, it's for all of us because there's so much that we can learn as we think about what prayer is. John Calvin said, unless we're willing to fix certain hours in a day for prayer, it certainly slips from our memory. Hours? Hours? Okay, well, he was a minister, right? So he gets a bit of a pass because he got paid to pray. And, um, but for all of us, you carve out time? Is it important? Is it a priority for you? See, one of the things that I've been learning in the last number of weeks, but this past week especially, uh, I was talking with another pastor and something the Lord had been teaching him was my kick in the head for the week. And, and that is, uh, how much time do I actually spend praying about the message I'm going to deliver on any given weekend? I mean me. I'm not talking about the elders when we're at the table. I'm not talking about when we're in small group. I'm talking about praying for the message. And I can be just as guilty of getting caught up in the tyranny of the urgent as you do in your workplace. How much time did you spend this week praying that God would use you in your workplace, open doors of opportunity for you? And so my week can go like this. On Wednesday, I've got two guys that come into my office and we spend three hours on Wednesday morning talking about the text that's coming and about things that'll be coming down the road that we'll be preaching about, all, all kinds of things as we're thinking about what will happen in the message and 
and what's the best way to say it and what would an outline maybe look like and and then on Thursday, I have to have the outline done. I have to have that uh, to Amanda so that she can get it printed and into the bulletin and I can get caught up and I got to get this thing done. There's a deliverable that needs to happen. And then on Friday, I stay at home and I spend the day, most of the day, writing the script of my message and then cutting it all up and trying to get it down to a size that, so we won't be here all day on Sunday. And, um, and I can get caught up in the getting the job done and not spending time praying about what will happen as a result. Uh, Lord, what are you doing in my life in this text before I would ever stand up and dare to preach it in front of the church? And so as I preach this series, I'm learning a lot and I'm growing and I've got a long way to go. And uh, so this preparation for this one, the next four, obviously I'm gonna spend a lot of time praying because it's gonna be on my mind, but will still be on my mind two months from now and four months from now and six months from now. And what will prayer look like in our lives? And, and what is it anyways? Um, prayer's not the rubbing the side of the, the, the bottle, hoping the genie will come out and give us what we want. It's, it's not some kind of a magical thing. It's, uh, it's not where we come to God and make demands of what we want. You know, the reality, the greatest reality for me is prayer is that prayer is for my benefit. Prayer is for my benefit. Prayer is where God opens up a relationship when I can talk with him in prayer. You understand when you come to prayer, even in praise and adoration and glory, God is no more glorious at the end of your prayer than he was at the beginning of your prayer. You might understand who he is better. You might be giving him the glory, but God is all glorious whether you ever pray. And uh, so we come to prayer with the understanding that most of the benefit of prayer is for us. It's for what's accomplished in our lives. Prayer is not a guarantee against suffering. It's not an opportunity for us to show off as we're going to see in the text in just a moment. Prayer is the relationship with God where we humbly communicate, worship, and seek after him. Knowing he desires to hear them and responds to our prayers. Powerful, enduring prayer it changes me. It changes the world. So you've got your Bibles open by now, I trust. Let's stand. We want to read God's word. And uh, I'm going to read uh, Luke chapter 18. I'm going to start in verse 1 and then down to uh, verse 9. Here's what it says. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always <clears throat> to pray and not lose heart. Down to verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioner, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the privilege to hold your word in our hands and to be able to open it and consider the truths that are found in the pages. Father, we thank you for this topic we're going to look at over the next week. And 
the reality that you love it when your children come to you. But what's our heart? What's our passion? What's our motive as we come? And Lord, so I pray that you would give us ears to hear from your word and the principles of it today. You would give us minds that we might understand. And then, Lord, passionate hearts to be followers of Jesus Christ the Lord. For your fame and for your glory, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. In your notes, there's a blank in the um, introduction section, and here's what goes in there. The only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them, teach us to pray. The only thing. The only thing they ever asked him to teach them is, Lord, teach us to pray. And you as well as I know that we don't spend enough time in it. We don't put enough effort into it. We don't cry out to the Lord like we should. And we want to learn some things about that um, as we study over the next few weeks. Our church, one of the pillars here at Harvest, is believing firmly in the power of prayer. Uh, we believe that prayer is the engine of our church by which God is working and lives are being changed. Uh, we've seen it in our church. We see it as people are crying out to the Lord and as we are meeting together and as we are fervently calling out to prayer, we're seeing people saved. We're seeing lives changed. We're seeing a church that is growing and it's not because of the things we can do. It's happening because God is at work. He is growing his church. He is doing his, his work Prayer is the engine, and we believe firmly in the power of prayer. If you were to ask the elders or the key leaders around here, what, what is it that's made the difference in the last three or four years? They'll say, it's the emphasis on prayer. It's the priority that we need to be people of prayer, and that God is calling us to it. He is doing it. He is working and changing as a result of it, and that to me is the mystery. We think about the mystery of prayer. God is in heaven. He is sovereign. There's nothing that he doesn't know. He doesn't understand the beginning from the end. And yet he calls us to pray and prayer works. We're going to see it in this message. We're going to see it in a video partway through and watch a, a man's life that was changed and people who supported and this church even through part of that time who prayed and worked and because when we pray, God answers prayer. But we want to kind of lay the foundation quickly this morning from our text. And uh, so the text starts out by saying we ought always to pray and not lose heart. Always doesn't mean 24-7, you never stop praying. It's just always in our lives, in the going on, in our moving forward. Prayer is a priority. It's a part of our lives. It becomes as natural as eating and breathing. Prayer prayer. And so in the, the text in verses 9 to 14, we have two men, two attitudes, and two results. The first man is a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the religious leaders. The Pharisees should have had it all figured out. They should have known better. And uh, yet you've got this guy, a Pharisee, a religious leader, and uh, he comes to pray. Let me tell you something. He never prayed. Um, he started out well, and then went right into the dumper immediately. His prayer got about as far as his forehead, and that's as far as the impact of it went. But look what the text says. Two men went up into the temple to pray, verse 10. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you. Good start. That's it's a great way to start your prayer. God, 
I thank you. You probably should start every prayer and spend a whole lot of time on the I thank you, I praise you, I adore you part. Except that's not what he did. He's fortunately, unfortunately, the sentence goes on. Um, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Who, who does he think he is? Lord, I thank you that I'm not as messed up as Jack Aldred is. I'm not as messed up as George or George or Kevin or you lower the bar low enough, you can jump over anything. It's like, yeah, I, Lord, I'm so thankful I'm not messed up like those dudes are. That's not a prayer, that's self righteousness. And that's how he starts it out. Lord, I thank you that I'm not messed up like the rest of the guys in our church. And, uh, and I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Like that's the bar. That's as high as you want to get. That's all you're going after. I, I, I fast twice a week. The law didn't require him to fast twice a week. He's like a double faster. He's really got it together and he wants the Lord to know and everybody around him. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And I want you to know, Lord, that I'm, I'm in it, Lord. I'm in it. And his pride and his arrogance and it's, but the tax collector, the one who people didn't even want to talk to, they hated them. Um, the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And so you have one man who's filled with pride and filled with arrogance. And I said it this way, the Pharisee needed a poke in the eye because everything was about him. I, 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 and then you've got this tax collector who won't even lift up his eyes to the Lord and he's beating on his chest and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, a sinner. When you think about coming to the Lord in prayer, that should be the foundation that we come. Lord, I have the opportunity because of the finished work of Jesus Christ to come into your throne room. I am a sinner. Now, I'm a sinner who's saved by grace. I'm a sinner who can remember what the Lord did in communion, but I'm a sinner. And that was his cry. Be merciful to me, God, a sinner. When you come to God in prayer, are you flippant? You're just like, well, here I am, Lord. It's a new day. Hope you're gonna take care of me today. Or do you understand who God is and you cry out to him, Lord, I come to you as a sinner. And it's only because of your work that you can even come with any confidence or any boldness or any sense of who you are and what you've done. And the, the uh, tax collector didn't say, God, be merciful to me, a repentant sinner. He didn't even try and go, yeah, I'm in a better place. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He didn't say, God, be merciful to me because I'm only human. Like we all, after all, Lord, we all make mistakes. And so, Lord, would you just be merciful to me? Because we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect, Lord. No, no, he just bore his soul out before the Lord. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And it says in the next verse, I tell you this. This man went down to the house, from this house justified rather than the other. Our attitude as we come to prayer, our passion as we come to prayer makes all of the difference to what God, the prayers that we have and what they accomplish. The prayer of the Pharisee was not a prayer at all. The prayer of the 
tax collector was heard by the Lord and he went home forgiven and justified and right with God. And that's the privilege that we have as we come to the Lord, as we come in prayer. Well, prayer matters. Teach us to pray if that was the only thing they ever asked Jesus to teach them specifically. Obviously, prayer matters. And so I want to just kind of work, walk through a bunch of things as we think about prayer foundationally for this series. Here's the first one. Prayer matters. So, so what is it? Uh, prayer is the means in which God gives us to talk or to communicate with him. Prayer is the way we talk with God. Uh, God communicates primarily through two things. Through his word, he's given us the canon, given us everything we need, and, uh, and we just need to read it, and we need to study it, and we need to know it, because this is how God talks to us, and we talk to God in prayer, and we come to him in prayer. And so, so here's the question for you, how much time in the last day, two days, today, have you spent talking to God? Probably not enough, but think of it a little differently. Um, Sue and I will be married 36 years this May the 26th. May 26th, 36 years. And uh, 37 years ago, 38 years ago, 39 years ago, when we were dating, like I wanted to spend as much time with her as I could. Um, there was no such thing as online back then. And uh, so I actually had to write letters to her and uh, we would actually talk on the telephone. There was no Skype, but every moment I could have, I wanted to be with her. I wanted to talk with her. I wanted to communicate with her. Why? Because the person that I was in a relationship with and then the person that I married, um, I have this relationship that needs to grow and I need to spend time with her. Yesterday morning, we went out for a walk. We went in the morning because we're, too, we're old and it would be too hot in the afternoon to do that. So, so we went out for a walk and we walked for, I don't know, 45 minutes or so and we walked around and we talked the whole time. Why? Because we wanted to spend time together. She didn't have to rip me out of the house to do that. So yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do it. And away we went and we just spent some time. Why? Because I love her. Because I'm, a, I'm in a relationship with her. But what about our God? What about our Heavenly Father? What about the one who sacrificed his son so that we could have this relationship with him? And if you're like me, we're not spending enough time with him. We're not spending enough time talking to the one who we're in a relationship with. What is it? It's talking to God. Prayer is communicating with the Father through the Son by the Spirit. You might want to write that down. Prayer is communicating with the Father or talking to the Father through the Son in the power of the Spirit. Um, some people say, um, well, you have to pray in Jesus' name. Well, yes and no, but mostly yes. Because that's why we come to the Father. We can only come to the Father because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, there are examples in Scripture where they didn't say, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so, so you got to be careful how hard and fast you want to be on these things. But if you understand the theology behind prayer, we come to the Father because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. That's why we come. 
Jesus is my advocate. As I come to the Father, he is the one who stands between God and me and is my advocate in the picture of how we come to God in prayer. And so we come in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, some people pray like this. They'll say, um, dear Jesus, we come to you today and da 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 and they go with their prayer. Does God not answer that prayer because you didn't get the address right? Well, no, I don't believe that's true. I believe God searches our hearts and he understands it. But here's the important thing. We need to understand why we even get to come. We get to come to the Father because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm indwelt, baptized, sealed by the Holy Spirit. So I come to the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I read this quote this week, in Jesus' name is not a polite sign-off at the end of our prayer. It's the very foundation of our prayers, the very door by which we are heard. We come in the name of Jesus. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's another cool principle about prayers that we get to come confidently. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it, but I get to come with confidence before God because Jesus Christ, he's my advocate. Here's some things about prayer you need to know. Prayer is hard work. It's not easy. You have to discipline yourself. You have to guard the time. You have to make the plan. You have to, it's hard work. Prayer is counterintuitive for most of us, I'd say for everyone. It's not the first thing we do. When things go wrong, it's not the first thing we do. It's the second, third, fourth, fifth. We try everything else we can, and it's like, oh, I guess I better go to the Lord. It needs to be the first thing we do. And if you find your life all upside down and all messed up, it's probably because you got that priority wrong and prayer is not even on your list of things you get to until everything else has failed. And it's like, okay, maybe then I'll try prayer. It's counterintuitive for us. Another thing about prayer, prayer is an act of worship. When you pray, you are saying God matters. When you say, when you pray, you're saying, God, you are the reason. You, you matter. You are the focus. Uh, prayer is an act of, of worship. Uh, prayer acknowledges that God is on the throne and you're not. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Prayer puts the glory where it belongs, at the throne room of God. See, the struggle with the Pharisee was he had had the glory at the throne of his own feet. And, and that's where he believed the glory belonged. And the glory belongs to the Father. Prayer is humbling. Prayer admits, I can't do it. And God, I'm dependent on you to do it. I like this one. Prayer says, God, I'm taking your side on this. When you come to God, you're saying, Lord, I'm crying out to you. And whatever you say, I'm with you on this. I'm not coming to you with some preconceived idea that you have to give me what I want. I know you're going to give me what is best. I'll take your side on this, God. Prayer requires faith. And prayer is part of our growth. It involves talking and listening and waiting and trusting. Um, prayer matters. 
It's the way we talk with the Lord. Did you do much of it this week? Did you spend much time with the Lord in prayer? Here's another one. Prayer matters. So what's it for? Um, or excuse me, who is it for? Prayer matters. Who is it for? Um, one of the great questions about prayer is, does God hear the prayers of unsaved people? Does God hear the prayers of everybody in the world? Um, I liked R.C. R.C. Sproul Jr., his answer to this in one sentence was, of course he does, and of course not. Of course God hears the prayers of everyone in the world, and he doesn't in the same way at the same time. God hears the prayers of everyone, but God doesn't heed the prayers of everyone. God heeds the prayers of his children. It's kind of like if I'm in a room and my kids are little at a party or something and, and one of my kids falls down and hurts themselves and they cry out, I know that's my kid. I can hear it. Moms are way better at this than dads are. Maybe I should use moms in the illustration because we're just a little smarter than rocks, us men. But the baby cries out, the child cries out and the mom's just like, whoa, that's my kid. I'm going after that. Somebody else's kid falls and hurts themselves and they just keep on talking, look around, make sure nobody died or anything, but somebody else is going to take care of that. It's kind of like that. Yeah, did you hear it? Yes. But you didn't heed to it because it's not your child. And God heeds the prayers of his children. I believe in a very practical sense, the first prayer God ever hears is the prayer of repentance and faith when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. And now God is heeding our prayers. And Jesus said, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He is the way to God. He is our advocate before God. And so you may be a, you may be a non-believer. You may have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you go, yeah, but I pray every day. I, I say the rosary. I do whatever it is I do in my faith. I do it all. Does God hear my prayers? In a general sense, he does. But you need to be saved. You need to be in right relationship with him. So he is your father reaching out and hearing your prayers as a father or a mother cares for the child. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, that's the first prayer God desires from you. The prayer of repentance, of turning, of trusting Jesus Christ as your savior and being saved and if you've never done that, you can do that right where you are. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says you'll be saved. God loved the world so much, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Well, what about followers of Jesus Christ who are disobedient? Does God hear those prayers? I'll tell you this, when you're praying and you're disobedient, you're sure not feeling like God's hearing your prayers. They feel like they go right about to hear and then they stop. Well, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord doesn't hear me. Okay, well, from time to time as a child, I didn't act the way I should and there were consequences of that and sometimes my parents would just kind of let me wallow around for a little while. They still protected, they still cared. We're gonna see that in just a minute in the message. And, um, but the reality is, if your prayers feel like they go to hear and stop, you need to be asking yourself, is the father not listening like he was because your relationship with him is not as it should be? Prayer matters. Prayer is for believers and prayer is for people who are seeking to walk in obedience. And if we get the relationship right, we'll get the communication right 
Here's the next thing. Prayer matters. Why do we pray? This again is the mystery for me. It's like um, in, in the, what we ask and God works, well, isn't God going to do it anyways? Well, that's because we try and view things from God's perspective and ours at the same time. God is in heaven. You are on earth. Let your words be few. The Lord knows the beginning from the end. There's no surprises for him. The world isn't kind of rolling out and he's figuring out as it goes along. Uh, he knew who you were before the foundation of the world. But the mystery is that I pray and God works. I pray and God works. Do we believe it? Do we endure in prayer, believing that when we pray, God works? Uh, Jesus um, told us to pray. We're commanded to pray. Uh, pray without ceasing. This is the will of God. I need to pray because I have a relationship with the Father. That's why we pray. Um, I need to pray because God works when his children pray. Watch this video. My name is Kyle Aldred. I'm 28 years old. I can remember that scene very clearly in my head. And that was, uh, that was when I invited Jesus into my life. Dad introduced me to him. You know, that's your dream come true as a father. For me, like wanting to just kind of fit in and not be the object of ridicule is probably, that was more on my mind than a relationship with God. I started to experience depression at an early age. So I remember, uh, yeah, getting high for my first time at a, at a friend's house after school, thinking it was a fun thing to do. Uh, just Satan was so active in my life uh, with these thoughts and feelings of, of depression. Life is hopeless. Life is is meaningless. I was lost. Uh, killing myself, it seemed like such an escape. I remember just like even like thinking about it daily. I put a belt around my neck and I tied it to the ceiling and then I was standing on a chair. I was ready to hang myself. So I went and got a picture of my family. I wanted it to be like the last thing that I saw before I died. God never left. Yeah, God just, he saved me in that moment. Like I couldn't go through with it. I remember I quit hockey uh, and I dropped out of, out of school as well, just, um, just before grade 12. I would say my main pursuit at that time became money. I was like, you know, I was working like full-time hours at the age of 16 or so. And at this time, my friends were all getting into uh, using cocaine. And so I, I remember I Wikipedia'd cocaine and an article came up that cocaine, you know, is a form of an antidepressant. And I kind of used that as like justification to start using cocaine. Because of, I guess, the money that I had saved up and had been all been working towards, like I went into a full-blown cocaine addiction. I was using crack the same way I was using cocaine, but just the effects of that drug and the, the paranoia, um, the, the depths that I started to go to in order to get that drug, I became desperate. And I went uh, to a convenience store, which, is, which was near our house. I robbed that store. I ended up getting away and going to, to a place where uh, I could just use drugs and, and kind of hide out for a while. That didn't last long. It wasn't long before I ran up a, a debt with a drug dealer that I couldn't pay. I contacted my parents 
will you guys help me out? Will you give me the money to pay this guy? And, uh, and they said that they would. Yeah, the hardest thing ever was turning him into the police. There had to be something that was going to stop him or he would just keep going. And, you know, the fear, of course, is his life's going to be over. So as I went into the, into the house to, to get the money, there was four undercover police officers uh, that were there waiting for me. Um, I actually remember just, like, breaking down like I th and crying. Like, I was just, like, on this crazy uh, rampage that I felt um, unable to stop or or control at all on my own. And I was like almost grateful that finally it was over. I think that was when I first like turned back to the Lord uh, and just kind of just confessed, confessed to God and asked him to, uh, to rescue me. I mean, it was difficult because, you know, you're seeing him through the glass. Sort of my prayer was like, God, you're going to meet him there again. I cried out to God. I'm grateful for what I've experienced in my addiction. It allowed me to realize my brokenness, apart from, from Christ. Jesus rescued me. When I think about, about the Lord, I just think of, uh, I think of him as, as my Savior, as, as my Lord and my God, but also just as a friend. Now I, I look back and I just know that my parents really trusted my life to the Lord, that they believed that He would uh, be faithful. My relationship with my, with my parents is great. And just worshiping together that we all attend Harvest, just because of the way that God has even brought us all together in Christ, where at one point we were all very far from the Lord. Kyle and I both expressed back and forth to each other that um, we are brothers in Christ. When I expressed the, uh, the innocence of his salvation, the seven-year-old, I see the same thing in him today. The children that God gives us, they're not our own. And this is where the rubber meets the road with spikes on. Our testimony as parents has spoken to others. I serve at the Awana ministry as a leader in the TNT group. And just helping the kids with their memory verses and helping out with the game time and stuff. It's been such a blessing. God is faithful. Why do we pray? Because prayer works. Kyle was here last night. And if you were to ask him, does prayer work? Yeah, he'll tell you it works. God forgives. God restores. Jack and Carol are in this service. And I'm sure there were lots of days where you wondered. And God answers prayer. And so why do we pray? Because God works when we pray. I can remember when I first uh, met Kyle and we were here at the church and he was still going through some ups and downs and there were some bumps in the road and, and we've prayed for him as a church. So why do we pray? See, the mystery is God knew the beginning from the end before the beginning from the end, but we didn't. And we prayed, and you people prayed, and God works. That's why we pray. Well, how do I pray? How do I pray? 
Some people are afraid. They're not going to use the right words. They're not going to say the right thing. They're going to be, they're going to be like, I'm supposed to use these and thous. And I think God stopped listening to prayers in King James English back around 1611. God, God just wants his people to come. And we come in Jesus' name and we talk to him. He is our father. You talk to him just like you would talk to your father. And you don't disrespect him and you don't, but you come to him and you talk to him because he wants us to come and we come to him in Jesus' name and we can come and we can talk. And he's far more interested in our heart than he is in the special words we might use. We come with humility and submission and reverence. Second Chronicles 7 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I will heal their land. We come with praise and adoration. We come in humility. We come with confession. We come to make our requests known to the Lord. That's how we pray. Well, physically, what do you do? do? Am I supposed to stand up? Am I supposed to sit down? Hey, here's a question for you. When was the last time you got down on your knees before God, showing humility? When was the last time you were laid out on your bedroom floor or in your living room crying out to God for your kids or for your spouse or for a need that is in your life? It's okay to sit. It's okay to stand. It's okay to lay down. It's amazing when we kneel. It's amazing when we're on our faces before God because that's what he deserves. How do we pray? Do we pray with our eyes open? Do we pray with our eyes closed? Well, we need to find the times to pray. And I like to think that we can all find hours in our day where we're wasting time. Um, if you commute into the city, you waste a lot of time. You got to get there. What do you do with that time? Are you reading a book? Are you reading something that, are you listening to something? Are you growing? Are you worshiping? And all those things can be good. Are you praying? If you're driving down the Don Valley Parkway and it seems like an eternity and you're never going to get there, well, it'd be a great time to pray. Now, I would suggest you watch and pray at that time. Okay? So you can pray with your eyes open and pray with your eyes closed when you're going down the, well, maybe in the Don Valley, you probably close your eyes for 10 minutes and you won't have moved. But if you're on the 407, please keep your eyes open. I don't want you telling the police officer, well, our pastor told us to close our eyes when we pray. No, no, keep them open, but pray, pray. As you're driving around, you know where people live and just pray, right? Um, I need to close my eyes most of the time when I pray because I'm just way too easily distracted and it's way easier for me to focus. Closed eyes, open eyes. Should we pray in public? Should we pray in private? Um, in Second Chronicles, when uh, Jehoshaphat is speaking, when he says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Uh, that was a corporate prayer before the nation. Um, but then in Matthew 6 and 6, it says, when you pray, go into your closet. And so there's times when we need to pray corporately. Hey, church, Tuesday night, we're coming together for another prayer night as the church. Will you be here? Is it important enough for you to come and make it a priority that you would come and be part of the prayer? Well, I'm afraid to pray out loud. Don't, don't worry, we're not going to make you pray out loud. But will you come and be part of corporate prayer? Um, 
See, we believe it's the engine that motivates what God has done in our church. And so we're asking you, calling you to come and pray with us as we pray together for the things God is doing here. But just as importantly is the time that we spend in our closet, in the quiet time where we're crying out for our kids and for our nation and for our spouse and for the needs that are in our lives. And when we're crying out to God in confession because he knows us better than we know ourselves in our closet when we're before him adoring him and giving him praise and thanksgiving because of who he is and what he has done for us. There's the emergency prayers. There's the Peter sinking, watching the waves and seeing the wind and crying out, Lord, save me. And there's lots of those prayers that need to happen in our lives. And, but then there's the prayer that, Lord, teach us to pray, that we'd be people of God in prayer because we love the God who gave us the word, who gave us his son, who put us in a relationship with him. We need to spend time with him. We need to pray. Well, when and where? The Bible says in the middle of the night, early in the morning, in the evenings. It's not the when. It's the are you. And are you finding the time? And are you guarding it? And are you focused on it? All kinds of locations in scripture, people are praying on mountains, people are praying in boats, people are praying at the temple, people are praying in homes. It's coming before the Lord wherever you are. It's a discipline. We need to carve out a time. We need to carve out some, place, some places, but we need to pray. One more thing, prayer matters. What does it do? What does it do? I believe primarily prayer changes me. That's what prayer does more than anything else, I believe. It's an opportunity for us to cry out to God and to adore him and to, but as you're doing all of those things, God is not being changed in his character. When you cry out to God about his holiness or his love or his mercy, God doesn't become more holy or more merciful or more glorious. But my understanding of him changes and I understand he is more merciful than I ever understood before. He is more holy than I ever comprehended before. He is more glorious than I've ever taken hold of before. When I come to the Lord in confession and cry out to him and he forgives my sin, who changes? I change. And when I come to God and I cry out for a wayward son who it doesn't look like anything good is ever gonna come out of this. And God changes his life. He's changed and I'm changed forever. And so why do we pray? Because it works. It's the mystery for me. It's the mystery of the sovereignty of God clashing with the call for us to pray because when we pray, God works. That's awesome. And it's true. Well, so what? So what? Your passion, commitment, and involvement in the word of God and prayer. So this again. Your passion, commitment, and involvement in the word of God and prayer is in a direct correlation to your love for God and is working in your salvation through Jesus Christ. How much time you spend in the word, how much time you spend in prayer, 
says so much about how you feel about God and your relationship with him. And so if today's message was a kick in the head, as I needed a kick in the head about prayer and my preparation, then allow that to be true from God's word. And let's be people who don't spend so much time talking about praying and its importance. But as we do that, we become people with a priority to be people of prayer. Powerful prayer, changing me, changing the world. Let's pray. Lord, uh, this is your word and we thank you for it. Thank you for the way you work, work in us and through us. And if my people who are called by my name, Father, we are children of God. You know us so intricately. You desire that your children would come and pray. And that's when you work, Lord. And in the mystery of prayer, we see the change in our lives, but we see how you work. And Father, when I'm right with you and when I'm right in prayer, I'm ready to do the will of God. So Lord, would you do a work in our hearts as we wrestle through the mystery of the privilege to come to you in prayer. Would we take hold of you are the only one, the only one that we should bow to, the only one that we come to in this way, to trust you, Lord, to do even more, to remember all that you've done, and through the lens of that, to endure in the hard times, in the difficulties, knowing that the story is not finished yet. Lord, do your work in us for your fame and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.